This is Metrics and Chill, where you'll learn practical strategies to drive consistent and predictable growth. In this episode, I chat with Rachel Whitehead, VP of Marketing at ChartMogul, to learn how she and her team leveraged internal data to create valuable content that drove brand awareness, traffic, and signups. I hope you enjoy it. Rachel, thank you so much for coming on Metrics and Chill. Uh, like I said, it's an honor to meet you. We've gone back and forth actually via email because of Pete's participation in your panel, which was awesome. Uh, but I'm excited to actually get to chat with you. And I think the audience will be super psyched about the topic today. So thanks for coming on. Yeah, no, you're welcome. I'm excited for it as well. Uh, thanks, Jeremiah. So, okay, for listeners, what we're going to be talking about today is um, we're going to be covering the long-term effects of ways that you can, well, specifically how Rachel and her team uh, leveraged internal data for brand awareness and advocacy. And you have a specific way that you did this. Um, so we're going to be unpacking this. And I, like I said, I think it's relevant because um, with advances in AI and how people are thinking about le- like creating content with AI and a lot of the stuff we've been preaching is like, I know John Benini is a big advocate of this. Pete, our CEO, is a big advocate of this. Like content needs to be leveled up in a lot of ways. And one of the ways that brands can do that pretty easily is like, what do you have to say that ChatGPT can't answer? Like what are proprietary insights or data unique to you that is valuable to your audience that you can share? And just by giving that value, you will begin to differentiate yourself. So you've done that at ChartMogul. Um, and so I'm excited to hear. So I guess let's kick it off this way. Give me the like where what's the overview of what you did give people like the the like one minute version of like the campaign you did then we'll kind of dig into how you did it and jeremiah all of this in one minute <laughs> it's a it's a heavy ass i have no, a timer I mean, running i i think probably about two years ago or something um you know as a company we realized that yeah we sit on top of a lot of proprietary data about b2b SaaS growth and obviously the sort of customers we have are B2B SaaS companies who are trying to grow. Um, and so it doesn't take, um, you know, Einstein to figure out where there might be a connection point there. Um, but we brought someone onto the team who could help us with uh, really analyzing our data and getting some insights from that. And then as a marketing team started to test different ways we could package that and bring that to market. Um, and really, you know, we've kind of gone through four different iterations of, of reporting um, and our most recent report, uh, was a huge success. Uh, we drove a, a bunch of traffic to our website, actually, you know, smashed the goals that we expected. Um, and still a couple of months later is still like really working uh, word of mouth wise on social media. Um, and so that's kind of, you know, in a nutshell, what we did was we used our, our proprietary data to generate some insights about what's going on, things that we think add to the conversation, package that up nicely and uh, voila, right? <laughs> Um, and then you said you measured this in terms of what was it like measured in terms of traffic, in terms of sign up? Like, how did you think about, I know like there are some marketers that are like, we just know this is valuable. And if it gets impressions, it's worth it. And other people want to track it like as far down the funnel as they can. How did you think about measuring the efficacy of it? Yeah, I probably am a little bit, you know, half of, of like between those, those two, um, those two areas, I think like firstly, certainly really focused on traffic. Um, initially, we started with something that was gated. Um, and so we were also looking at, at leads generated directly from it. But over time, uh, since it's such a low intent conversion, um, we've moved away from that and just okay. really focused on on traffic from the get-go. Um, certainly, that's introduced us to new leads that we didn't previously have. But there's also a, a whole lot of kind of untrackable benefits um, in terms of influence on others. 
the quality of the people who are using this uh, insights and, and research themselves, whether that's on stage or in their own content or on social media. Um, and so there's a lot of like secondary and tertiary um, impacts that are kind of difficult to measure. To be honest, we probably could sit down and put together a lot more measurements around it. But the simplest answer is traffic. Um, and that's what we focused on. Yeah, it's true. As you're saying this, it's like, oh, wow, yeah, a body of research that big is likely to be shown at all these marketing conferences. You're not even aware that like Chart Mogul got a little call out on, you know, maybe Rand Fishkin's slide or something to support something at like SEO World or whatever. And uh, and there's there's like brand uh, the brand is being built there where it's like, oh, this is being positioned as a thought leader. They put in this research. People are going to be like, oh, who's Chart Mogul? What do they do? Is it relevant to what I do? So yeah, I would imagine it has like a lot of ripple effects that are probably pretty difficult to measure. Yeah, completely. And I think there was a lot of like closed rooms where it was used. So obviously everything on social mm. we could see and, you know, where it was at events, you know, we would find out either we were there or we were speaking to the people using it um, or got reported from others. But um, a great example is from our recent SAS growth report, um, we were sent a kind of screenshot of, uh, I think it was, you know, from a company who had presented it to their board um, and they'd put their own oh, wow. on top of a chart that we had generated and said, this is where we are. And they were using that in their board meeting. Um, and so oh, yeah, wow. you can't tell me how to measure that, right? <laughs> um, but at the end of the day, I mean, I think all of these are like qualitative ways to really say that the the content really hit. Um, and to your earlier point about AI and sort of the the new standard, I guess, of of content that's required now, for me, that's a 10 out of 10 in terms of, you know, we really hit the mark, I think, on, on, on content that's useful, interesting, and valuable enough that you're willing to put it, you know, in your board presentation. Yeah, that's huge. I mean, that's, that's absolutely incredible. All right. I'm, this is when you see like my hand going over here. I'm, uh, I'm jotting notes down furiously here of like general mm -hmm. questions to ask, but I'm going to go back and start at the beginning. And wh when, when you put this campaign together, I guess thinking on like a listener's perspective one of the ways so the the broad idea here is that you're taking valuable insights education that helps your audience do their job better or make more informed decisions or whatever it may be it's it's like substance that your audience that your target audience finds valuable and you're sharing it freely and generously and it's ideally something that they can't find elsewhere like they can't generate it with chat gpt or you know, there's not a lot of like content around this issue. And so for you, how did you go about, like you probably sit on a lot of data. How did you kind of define what was useful? What wasn't like, was there kind of like, how, what was your process around that? Because I would imagine a lot of listeners, like the first place they're going to think is like, okay, we want to do this too. <laughs> how do we generate, like, what are we sitting on that we can use? And if we don't have anything, how can we generate it? So do you have any advice there or how you all went about that? Yeah, sure. I mean, firstly, it's a really fun process. Um, so if you if you like to brainstorm and be part of those discussions, then um, yeah, it's going to be a fun moment. And um, I think where we started was certainly on benchmarks. So I would like the advice would be look at whatever problem your startup or your your product is meant to solve, um, and look at whether you can provide any sort of insights on the ability of people to solve for those problems. Um, for us, for example, we focus on helping B2B SaaS companies grow. Um, and so we really started there. Okay, what are the benchmarks around B2B SaaS growth um, that exist out there? How can we slice that into ways that can make it make more sense for, for a user, but then obviously for the wider industry, given kind of where we're in? Um, 
And yeah, I think that that's certainly kind of where we started. Um, and the initial traction, the first sort of report that we released was all around benchmarks. Uh, it was all around what are benchmarks for performance. And absolutely that's data that people can't kind of access. Um, right. That sort of information is, you know, shared in board meetings or in networking events or when you're chatting with another founder um, about, you know, how they're doing. Um, but you don't really have a way to see across the market what's really going on. Um, and so I think that was really powerful for a lot of folks to be able to see it in one place, a snapshot in time, and very easily be able to compare themselves. Um, so after that kind of initial success, we decided to repeat that same campaign 12 months later. Um, but in the interim, we thought, are there other questions or other areas which we could definitely, you know, add something to the conversation around? Um, and so what we did is looked at the data um, that we had and started thinking, you know, what are some of the insights that we could potentially pull from this? Um, and I would say we kind of had a data first view of like, this is what we've got. This is what's interesting. This is a surprising pattern. And then we also had like a market end view, um, which okay. honestly mainly consisted of me shouting a bunch of questions of things I would love to know, um, things which I know founders would love to know, or um, any leader of a SaaS company would like to know. And then that eventually led us to a list of questions um, or hypotheses um, that we could then go out and test. And obviously the final iteration of each report hasn't covered everything that it could cover. But what has been interesting is from time to time, the things that went most viral or that people seem to value the most were, uh, you know, random ideas that we just had. Uh, oh, wouldn't it be cool if we could show how long it takes to get to 10 million uh, ARR? Uh, you know, across time. Wouldn't that be interesting? Um, and, you know, those are the things which end up being really powerful afterwards. So it, it really has to be a mix of both. Like take take insight from the data that you have, what you know you've got, but then also kind of step back a little bit and say, if I could wave a magic wand, what questions would I be able to answer? Um, and then, you know, have a really great person who can figure out how to marry those two things together. Yeah, this is this is really cool. And I was wondering whether it was going to start with like, what you have to work with first or like what, you know, as you're like hearing from users and listening on social and stuff, what you are picking up. I know if you mm. spend any amount of time on LinkedIn, it's like funny, like these conversations come and go in waves, right? So you'll see like yeah. trends of things people are interested in talking about and you can get just by listening there, it feels like you can get a good idea of like, especially we have it a bit easier since marketers are both of our like target audience or one of our target audiences. So, um, so yeah, this is cool. So you evaluated what technically could be pulled, like what do we have to pull from? And then you kind of are your own ICP in a way, I guess. So you're able to think like, well, what would I want to know? Or, or like from your talks with founders and uh, of sub 10 million SaaS companies, like what do they want to know? What kind of things are they looking to learn? And then just ways to display it. Um, you mentioned you hired it. Was it like an, you said like an expert to come in and process this. What was that role? Was that like a consultant thing or like, cause that seems like a big thing too. It's, I think people underestimate how difficult sometimes it is to work with this data and like yeah. get insights from it and visualize it the right way. So what did that process look like? No, it's a huge amount of work to be honest. And, you know, all respect to, to anyone who has that role, because um, I think it's difficult being a an analyst or a consultant type and being placed within a marketing team. Um, <laughs> it's probably not a natural home all the time. Um, so, you know, I, full transparency, this is a role that was hired before I joined the team. Um, but those first couple of weeks um, sitting with with this uh, analyst, I was thinking, okay, what, what, why do I have an analyst on a marketing team? Yeah. You know, like, 
give me, give me, I've got 10 other roles that I would happily fill. Um, so initially I was a bit confused, but very quickly it became clear how powerful that role can be. Um, and I think we've seen this now across a bunch of different um, companies on, on LinkedIn started to hire for kind of head of insights or market insights or internal um, analysis type people who can, who can pull those data, to, uh, those pieces of data together to tell a story. Um, you know, it's just not, good enough anymore i think just to have like blatant thought leadership based on opinion um linkedin is filled with opinions and i'm really not that interested um what's really powerful and i think what makes people you know feel a lot of credibility towards as well is is when you actually have numbers to back that up um mm-hmm. and so that's been a really key role for us and uh and yeah yeah good good to see the evolution of marketing in that way as well i think Hey, just a quick interruption. In past episodes, you've heard guests give advice like... The first step is just like actually measuring and monitoring, right? Which sounds very fundamental, but a lot of companies don't even do that, right? If you ask for like, hey, do you have a monthly kind of report of like, what's happening in the funnel. It's like, oh, well, we have this over here and we have this over here and we have the traffic data and GA. So the first thing I think is like build out, you know, a presentation uh, that you're updating every single month or it's way easier if you have all this stuff being centralized somewhere and can look at it. And I promise that's completely unprompted. We try to book smart B2B leaders and learn how they're driving more predictable growth and they end up sharing advice like that. And Databox makes it easy to do all of that and more. You can track your marketing, sales, revenue, and CS performance all in one place. It lets you build custom dashboards and view metrics from over 80 tools side by side. You can schedule PDF reports that automatically update your data in real time and send to your team or your clients. You can even set up custom Slack alerts that alert you when you hit your goals or when numbers spike or dip. If you want to try it totally free, just go to databox.com or click the link in the show notes. Okay, back to the episode. I think, and you mentioned LinkedIn, I was talking about this with Pete because we released like, if by the way, anyone who's listening, who's interested in diving into Pete's thoughts in this, you can scroll down the feed a little bit and listen to his episode on collaborative growth. But like, uh, it, so, you know, one thing that's important to say is if you're not sitting on this data, this is something Pete's talked about recently and is, is a big advocate of is you can go create it with your customers. So if, mm. you know, Chart Mogul, you know, an incredible product sitting on this gold mine of data, data box, like we have all these benchmarks, uh, you know, that we're able to share at uh, benchmarks.databox.com forward slash explore. Um, <laughs> <laughs> click the link in show notes. Um, it, so like we have this data that we can share or turn into insights, but a lot of like if you're an agency or if you're a smaller startup, like you might not have these resources or not know where to start. And one of the things he's been advocating is go create a survey with your target audience, like find out burning questions and things that they want to know that will help them do their job, build their business, you know, whatever better, and then survey your target audience. And instead of just like cold outreach or spamming or pitching them or whatever, or like marketing to them, market with them, invite them into the survey, get them to share the perspectives, publish the data. And then you have this unique data, like something like, you know, what, what, um, what you all have been able to put together and but you're sharing it and you're doing it in conjunction with your customers. And it's funny, like around that time, I started seeing more and more like LinkedIn now is asking community questions. Like they want to surface insights from other people. So I do think, I do think this is more than like a little blip or like a trend. I think more and more like content teams, especially in B2B, 
are will need to do what you're saying. It's like it's not just good enough to do it. You're going to need to like display some custom set of insights that is a little bit more objective and then you maybe layer your subjective opinion or your thought leadership on top of it or behind it to explain it more. Yeah, absolutely. You know, this is the state and here's what you should do about it. Like to me, that's a really natural kind of way of running thought leadership. Um, And so, yeah, I mean, I totally agree with reaching out. I mean, I don't even think it needs to be as big as a survey. Like honestly, the the best ideas I often have come from just chatting with people almost like roundtable style. Um, And so, you know, put three people in a room some of you who are your customers. Um, and very quickly, I think you'll get a long list of ideas. Um, but I think, you know, a lot of the, um, it, a lot of the reason why I think this works and also why generally this is the direction we're going in is just because there's so much saturation now of content. Um, and yeah. I think, you know, obviously from an SEO standpoint, there's, you know, a, a need, I guess, um, for companies to churn out a bunch of stuff. Um, but the quality level is pretty low. As you said, AI tools kind of feeding into that. It's not really designed for people to read or consume other than maybe answering like pretty basic questions. Um, but if you want to move the conversation forward, I think what you need to bring is novelty. And um, that's where I think the data comes in. Maybe it's something that um, hasn't been known before, you know, bringing light to um, something that has been really hidden within within a black box um, or just a new way of looking at, at a problem. Um, and I, you know, Honestly, I think every company sits on something. Um, you know something about user behavior. And so even just starting small with something like, did you know that, you know, what what day last week uh, did you have the most activity within the product? Or um, what user roles are, um, you know, uh, taking certain actions the most? Or, you know, even just that sort of stuff I think is interesting. And I've seen that yeah. through a couple of tools recently who have started to, you know, share that information like a, you know, marketing automation, when are people sending the most emails? Great. So when should you avoid, um, or when are people opening the most emails based on their geo? So when she, you should avoid, um, and, uh, and yeah, I mean, no matter what the size of your business, there's going to be some sort of information that you have that no one else has access to. Um, cause you've got the whole picture. Yeah. I love that. Completely agree. Um, let's talk about putting this together and then I want to talk about distribution. So you, the overall process, it sounds like you kind of step one was what can we answer? What data do we have? Step two was what questions can we answer? What uh, previously, to your point, previously unknown things can we make known through these insights? What would be really cool? Like you're kind of, it sounds like this is a bit of uh, math and magic. Like you're looking at the data, but you're also just kind of sitting around table studs saying, like, what would be cool to know? Like what would just be a great thing to know? And then when you define that, what is that ultimately doing? Are you then like moving into pairing? How, how did you think about layering your commentary on the data? What, what was your take on that? Like, was that an internal subject matter expert? Was that chart mogul's flag in the ground of like what we think about this because we're positioned as expert? Or was it just sharing what you found? Like, how did you think about putting that together in, in a comprehensive piece? I think honestly, we focused more on sharing what we found. Um, so I think if you take a look at, for example, Chartmogul's latest uh, SaaS growth report or our retention report or our benchmarks report, in all of these, they're very, you know, like fact heavy. Um, and, you know, we, we do make sure to, to you know, add some sort of commentary or some sort of spin, like why this matters, why, why it matters that it, it takes this long to reach 10 million or it takes this long to reach 1 million or um, the growth rate of companies 30 million and above at the moment, you know. 
we're obviously adding a little bit more there um, to the conversation to help the the reader really understand and can um, contextualize it. Um, but at the same time, we really focused on just sharing the truth. You know, this this is what's going on. This is what we're seeing. Um, and then try and engage with the market for the commentary. And I actually think that's, again, been a big success for us is that what we've seen on social, for example, um, is that on LinkedIn, oh, I mean, definitely still every day. And, you know, we're still, we're now two and a half months since the initial report went live. Um, and every day we have someone sharing a chart from our latest report um, with a blurb about what they think about it, why this matters. Um, and it's everyone from founders and investors and startup people to, you know, executive recruiters um, and all sorts from across um across the market. And I think that has been interesting because we've kind of left the space for the commentary. And, um, you know, maybe this sounds a little cynical, but everyone on LinkedIn wants to say something every day, right? <laughs> Oftentimes the goal is not, I want to evangelize this concept. It's just, I want to post because I know if I post, you know, what is it? Right. Four times a week. Got to feed that um, alga. Right. Um, so everyone's searching for something to say. And so, you know, give, some, give them something to talk about. Um, mm -hmm. And I think that's been really our mantra is, you know, how do we, ship something that's really interesting, <laughs> that there's lots of different ways to look at it. Um, and then we certainly have um, invited uh, industry experts to come in and give a bit of their commentary, whether that be, you know, about a specific chart or a specific finding um, or even in live discussion after the report went, um, went live as well. This is such a cool idea, um, you know, putting it out there and seeing what others say. And maybe some companies even decide, like, feed the chart and then ask people like, what does this make you like, how do you interpret this? What does this mean to you? And then asking if you can quote them like back and, you know, like improve the article over time, because I know this is something that's been a long held belief with content at Databox is we can't and should not like, at least with the way our product is, we need to be thought leaders around a certain like core set of things. Mm -hmm. like the importance of leveraging data to make better decisions and improve performance. But like we write content about all kinds of marketing, business leadership, integrations. Like we can't be like ad expert, like because we have ad integrations, we can't be like, we're not gonna be a better expert than a Google ads person who's been doing it, you know, 10 years or 15 years, whatever. Um, so this is something we've long held is like, we should not try and be the only experts like you know this has been core to our content strategy is like we need to invite other people to speak into this and share their insights because yeah. they have different perspectives than we do and know more than we do but i specifically love taking that idea and applying it to what you said like putting it out on social and letting it be a sounding board and letting people comment in with what they have like giving just enough context to say why it's important and maybe tell like a comprehensive story but mm. then let people um yeah, let people weigh in with why it matters to them. And I can see that being extremely valuable. It's also like, you're just going to get, you're going to start to build relationships between like your marketers or your brand and like other people, like your social, like your company handle. And you get, you're fostering more dialogue, which is always more interesting than just like, here's this thing we did. Yeah, it's it's definitely starting that two-way conversation, right? Um, and if we can help people um, with getting, you know, learning more or figuring something out by giving them a little bit of data to 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 you know add something to the conversation, then then we'll do it, right? Um, and I mean, I love what you said just before about kind of you know working with others to get this done, right? So you know, similar similar to you all, we're obviously a, a subscription analytics company in terms of you know we work with a bunch of other. Um, different companies out there to help our customers get get proper insights into what's going on in their business. 
um, we're not going to be experts in every single area. Um, and to be frank, we don't really want to be because there are right. other louder and, you know, uh, smarter voices out there um, answering some of those questions that our customers are having. But um, we definitely want to, you know, in the same way that we enrich data, it's also, okay, how can we kind of enrich our insights or enrich other people's uh, conversation with our insight? And so working with partners is definitely, I think, kind of the way this moves in future. Um, and something we kind of started playing around with a little bit is, yeah, how can we um, provide some insight to another organization who's running, you know, a specific report into something um, that will help augment their point of view um, with slightly outside um, data? And, you know, again, like you have to be careful with how you do this, um, but so long as you're providing the insight, um, you know, there's a lot of commentary and a lot of takeaways that come from that. And the, the sum of that is much greater than what, what we could do by ourselves. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. I remember, um, I think it was, I think it, this was like from a Dave Gerhardt quote from like two years ago. He said like, you either need to be the expert or the guide to the expert. And right. that yeah. was like their philosophy to it. And I think that's very much in line. Like there are certain things every brand should probably have a point of view about and should be experts on. But for a lot of companies, you know, like, like ours, um, that's going to be more limited in scope and you have to reach out to others and just your brand can be positioned as like the guide to the information. Like that's our goal with Databox. Like if you want uh, insightful, if you want insights to improve performance backed by data or informed by data, we want you to come to our blog, but we're just going to be the guide to a lot of other experts there. So. Yeah, yeah, no, absolutely. I mean, I think it makes total sense, especially when you think long-term, um, you know, one of the, the, the pros and cons, I guess, um, of, you know, moving your content to be uh, you know, more in this direction and kind of raising the quality of content. There's also the expectations thereafter are raised, right? Um, and so, you know, from a longevity standpoint, I think having to carry that yourself as one content team or one marketing team or yeah. founder is probably too much. Um, and uh, and yeah, doing doing that with others, I think, is um, is is probably better longer term as well. Um, you know, getting it into the hands of more people because um, if we know that, you know. 7,000 people found it interesting, then uh, there's probably another 21,000 who haven't seen it yet, right? Right. Yeah. Okay. Speaking of that, what did distribution look like for you? So I, you mentioned you published it on your website. At first it was gated and then you made the decision, it sounds like, to ungate it. Um, was it just driving people to the website? What did it look, if you shared it elsewhere, what did that look like and where else did you share it? Yeah, sure. So we, we um, have done four reports, you know, one each quarter um, for, for the past okay quarters um and so really initially as you said it was gated um and so uh distribution was was you know pretty tricky um to figure out the right balance there we were pretty convinced at the time that that lead gen you know through this was going to work and it definitely did we got you know a bunch of emails out of that um, and folks who were really excited about it but distribution was really difficult um because obviously media um aren't super happy with gated content um but also, you know, I, I think it was harder to share um, because mm. it was a, essentially a PDF, um, which is just not really social ready. Um, and at the same time, um, yeah, obviously you see the drop off, right? So um, things it's harder to reference back and other blog posts and things like that about it. And so uh, distribution in the early days was definitely tough. I mean, I think the quality of the content is why, why it succeeded um, initially. And certainly we felt like we could make really good improvements in distribution. Um, and so, yeah, we moved it to a web-based format. Um, the latest iteration has been uh, web-based from day one, totally ungated. 
Um, we invested a lot more in making our charts uh, look really good, feel really good, be really easy to share um, so that people could could use that on social. Um, still provide a downloadable version as well, um, but the real the focus has been on the web page itself. Um, we've linked that through to a couple of other blog posts that we created with you know you know more detail on one specific aspect. Um, and then we also inserted uh, quotes as well. So yeah. folks who out in the industry you know have a strong voice about a certain perspective, and we thought that they could really add to the report. We included that from day one too, um, and then provided them with you know the the content. ASAP so they could kind of start the sharing. Um, we also tried a bit with media, not super successful just yet. Um, we've done, you know, a free post here and there. We've had a few interviews, um, but that's still a nut that we have to crack. Um, and then outside of that, you know, relied upon our existing customer base, our existing database um, to then share it and, and, and take it out from a word of mouth standpoint. So, um, yeah, I mean, uh, I think at the end of the day, distribution will always fail if the content isn't good enough. Um, and so certainly that's where we focused initially. Um, but if I looked the next two years, I think distribution um, is something that, you know, we, we have a lot of potential to improve. Um, and I'm, I'm pretty excited about that. It's cool, too, because if it it got it was so well received, despite some of those limitations. And then, mm -hmm. like you're saying, we only have other areas to grow. Like we know we can like triple or quadruple the number of people that consume this. And um, and then, yeah, like by ungating it, like removes this friction, it makes it more shareable. It lets everyone kind of like pass these insights around. Um, it's also really cool. Like, do you plan on doing it kind of like, is this going to be like a moving forward, a quarterly thing that people know you for? Yeah, that that was definitely our initial plan. And it's still sort of what, what we're expecting. I think we are playing a little bit with that. So I don't want us to get stuck into one particular medium. There's definitely, you know, uh, um, a peak that we started to establish, um, which has definitely lifted kind of the tide across our traffic throughout the entire year. So that's really nice. Um, but I'd also like to look at what medium peaks we can do that we can perhaps do on a more frequent basis um, just to bring bring folks back and and, and keep the, the conversation going. Um, so, yeah, that's the general cadence. I think for these types of projects, depending on how in-depth you're going, I mean, realistically, they take three months just because there's a lot of work that goes into it, right? Yeah. Um, so that kind of does limit your cadence a little bit. But I think there are ways to slice it. And definitely, I think our first report, I think, I can't even remember how many pages it was, but it was like super long. And, <laughs> you know, I, I, I was so impressive when people got to that last page. I was always like, wow, great job. Um, yeah, yeah. It was, it was pretty... Board. Yeah, it was pretty intense. Um, so we probably also, you know, um, can slice those those a little differently. But um, but yeah, I think the big thing that's interesting and probably the challenge with this is you really have to think about conversion, right? So like the value you get from doing a project like this is that kind of organic word of mouth and ongoing kind of social virality. Um, and uh, you know, obviously positioning ourselves as experts and being able to add something to the conversation. All of those are great. Brand engagement, credibility, I'll take that any day. Um converting that traffic um into into something that that's you know ties to revenue, that's really the hard part. Yeah. Um, aside from quality content, getting the distribution right, I think there's a huge story around conversion as well, um, which uh which is definitely tricky, you know, with this kind of really top of funnel, um, low intent type content. Um, it's a it's a slow burn, um, but I think it's especially in a kind of PLG style inbound motion in this economy we've had for the last two years. Um, I think it's a really um, 
you know, efficient long-term way to, to, to build it. Yeah, no, I, we agree. I mean, we think of our newsletter very similar to this. Like for us, that's a bi-weekly thing and we're sharing benchmark data and then we're sharing insights from our latest like partner report or like what, you know, a very similar like partner piece of content and then whatever insights the recent guest has shared on the podcast. And it's like, we knew from day one, we're not going to see a lot of like clicks to sign up from this, right? Like sometimes like once in a while, right? And sometimes they go browse to learn more about Databox. But for the most part, they're raising their hand to say, I'm interested in learning about this topic. And the idea for us is that like over time, we're creating demand for leveraging data to improve performance. Like if you're a subscriber yeah. of this and you read the issues for two months, you're going to walk away feeling more confident that you should be leveraging data, at least in some way to improve your performance or make better decisions. And when you, it comes time that you're ready to do that and you need a, pl a platform that can help you, hopefully we're first of mind, right? So I think it's, it sounds similar to the effects and the difficulty of measuring it all, but it sounds like all the leading indicators of the, I mean, people sharing it in their boardrooms and you being talked about at presentations and cited on people's decks at these, uh, at some of these summits. And then like just the, the web traffic that you've seen and the social response to it, it seems like all the signals are there. So. Yeah, no, absolutely. I think, um, yeah, it's been, it's been a great success and something that, yeah, we absolutely plan to continue working on and improving um and uh and yeah it's it's been also a blast as well to actually you know get this information out there and 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 learn it not just for myself but for the team too so yeah. um, you know i think it's always a good hack as well is if it's something you're really interested in then probably others going to be interesting uh, interested in it as well sorry and uh it's a whole lot more engaging than like traditional nurture which is you know email drip campaigns over a series of weeks it's a lot more engaging to kind of build that um that uh that nurture via you know real content that gets people thinking gets people talking gets people engaging with your brand and sure we might not get the email address today um but we know that they're going to come back for insights in future um and you know uh, we, we have that hook in there as well so um, yeah for us that's kind of also how i think about it as like content for nurture yeah yeah um before we get to our lightning round questions what's I guess my last question on this topic would be what's like one piece of advice you would give if listeners are saying, okay, I'm convinced I need to go do something like this. I need to partner with others or I need to pull leverage proprietary data I have to create something valuable. Um, what's like one piece of advice you've learned from doing this a few quarters now? Uh, yeah, I mean, uh, start with something small. I think that um, people in general don't need a hundred insights in order to feel like something's valuable, right? Um, you know, we can only remember a certain number of things at once. Um, and there are definitely parts of our reports that we spent a lot of time thinking about and um, getting data around, which are not uh, so interesting or not as interesting as we thought they would be. Um, and there are other parts of our reports, which, you know, for example, in our latest SAS growth report, I think the chart that's gone the most viral is like more than halfway through the report. Um, it's like, you know, 75% of the way through, and that's where you're seeing that for the first time. And so, um, the advice would be start with one thing. Um, don't get too caught up with needing to have, you know, a whole collection or to answer the question of full. Um, we get a lot of emails uh, from folks who want us to dig deeper in a specific area. And that also then helps us with figuring out what to do. Oh, wow. um, and so, you know, uh, start with one insight, um, see how people react and build from there. Awesome. Great advice. 
Uh, okay, time for lightning round questions. Three questions with three short answers. So uh, what are three metrics that your team tracks closely and how often do you track them? Uh, marketing team, right? Um, mm-hmm. So we definitely track uh, opportunities, so pipeline uh, for our sales-led funnel. We run a, a hybrid model. So um, that's really important to us. I track that weekly. We talk about it um, probably every two weeks within the marketing team, but go-to-market probably looks at it a bit more often. Um, secondly, we we definitely look at, at MQLs. <laughs> um, and so that's pretty important, pretty straightforward. Um, and again, we look at that weekly. Um, and then, I mean, traffic is really important, I think. Um, I look at that less often, probably every month. Um, okay. And it's kind of a, you know, it's a leading metric, but it's lagging in a way in terms of trying to understand what what happened and, and where it's coming from. Um, so that's probably one that gets my analysis. Okay. Uh, finish the sentence any way you want. Open-ended. Data is? Complicated. <laughs> Make sure you it. get it right. And uh, budget time to clean it up and, and sort it out. Uh, we spend a lot of time with our customers helping them uh, clean up their data. I'm sure you all do as well. Um, so, uh, so yeah, treat it with respect and it will, um, you know, pay back in dividends. Love it. Your number one tip for B2B leaders who are trying to drive more predictable performance. Well, um, yeah, it's, it's tricky. Um, number one tip trying to drive. Well, so obviously figure out what's working, um, and do more of that, um, and then secondly, I would, you know, really search for context um, from the folks who are part of the team around why things in the past have or haven't worked. A lot of predictability, you know, you, you catch it and then you can lose it very quickly. Um, and there's a lot of external factors that can, you know, mess that up. Um, I have a million growth models, which are in the trash, um, which every time I made it, I was convinced I was right, right? Um, and so speak to the people around you, especially if you're new in a role, to understand what contextual things have gone on um, outside of the numbers that that might help to understand why something did or didn't work. Um, because, you know, that that predictability is something that you have to continuously chase. Even once you cat caught it, it might only last six months and then something else is going to go funky. So um, you need to know what's going on at that higher level as well. Okay. Awesome. Rachel, this has been really fun. Thank you for being willing to come on. Um, where can people, so let's start here. Where can people go to give Chartmogul a try? Give like the 30 second elevator pitch for Chartmogul. Yeah, sure. If you're a B2B SaaS company who's trying to grow, who isn't, um, then uh, come to chartmogul.com. Um, we run a subscription analytics platform, which helps you understand where your growth is coming from, segment your customers, um, figure out you know the the why behind, the, um, behind the, your results. Um, and earlier this year, we released a CRM as well. And so if you're running a mixed model, go to market with, you know, product led as well as some sort of sales assist, we're designed for you. So come check us out. Awesome. Uh, and then where can people go to follow along with you? Are you active on LinkedIn? Where do you want to drive them? <laughs> I'm somewhat active, but not too much. But yeah, look, feel free to add me on LinkedIn. I, I love chatting with people um, on LinkedIn, sort of my public donut, donut chats, let's say, um, I always enjoy that. So if you ever want to chat um, or spitball a couple of ideas, I'm down for that. Otherwise, check me out on LinkedIn and uh, check out the Chartmogul account as well. Awesome. Thanks so much for coming on. Thanks, Jeremiah. 
Thanks so much for listening. If you found this episode valuable, check out our other episodes or subscribe to get new ones. If you want to support the show, we'd love for you to leave a review or share it with someone. And if you want a tool to help you track and improve your business performance, try Databox free at databox.com.